Hi, this is David, and this is my fourth recording um, for my podcast. And I'm going to continue with the theme of Buddhism and my problems with Buddhism. And, uh, yeah, I'd like to talk about the problems with karma and rebirth or reincarnation. But within Buddhism, it's really rebirth rather than the Hindu concept of reincarnation. So rebirth works with a belief in karma. And I really want to show um, some problems that I've got with both both those concepts. I believe the religious idea of karma and rebirth are totally logical and nonsensical. Of course, there's a difference between rebirth and reincarnation. But Buddhists often use the concept and language of reincarnation. So I'll leave these two ideas together. And my objections are as follows. Um, But first of all, let's consider uh, an introduction um, about this religious belief of uh, rebirth and karma. Where and how does a god or gods fit into this belief system? You may not believe in gods or a god and other deities, but the vast majority of Buddhists do, as I've said in my previous um, podcast. They don't believe in an all-powerful creator God, as theists do, as Christians, Jews and Muslims do. But they do believe in gods. So let's talk about karma and rebirth and destiny. Can we really blame karma for the calamities in our life? For living previous lives unskillfully? Do we really believe that that impacts on our life now? Can one change inherited karma so that calamities can be averted? Do you believe the karma you accumulated in your previous life is why your life is sometimes now a mess? Tell me, was it bad karma that got three million Jews gassed? Is bad karma responsible for the death of millions of children each year from preventive all diseases? Is karma the reason why many children throughout the world go to bed hungry or even starve to death? Do you seriously think accumulated bad karma is why a gay person is born into a homophobic society or gets thrown off a roof by ISIS? If we are to go by the definition of karma, it's rational to conclude that dictatorships, bad governance, homophobia and poverty are all necessary wills of karma and therefore they're important to life and the karmic circle. Now if bad governance, corruption, greed, poverty are all integral to keeping the will of karma rolling, why do we bother to fight these menaces? Are they even menaces, considering that they are needed for people to get their just karma? It's sad and ridiculous that karma seems to be widely accepted as a fact. Of course, actions have consequences, cause and effect. But karma is seen more than just that. Karma hurts innocent people. The belief in karma has caused and still causing much pain to many. If you believe people 
are in a bad situation because of some bad thing that they've done in a past life, then you'll be less inclined to help them. And this can be seen throughout Asia, both in India, uh, which is basically Hindu, and in lots of Buddhist countries. Impaired and special needs people uh, are treated as scum of the earth. Because in some societies, it's believed that someone's lot is caused by bad karma of previous lives. They believe that blindness is caused by bad karma. And if you happen to be in an Indian caste system, such as an example like you might be an untouchable, it's because of previous bad karma. And you've got to pay the price for your previous unskilled life. Even in Buddhist societies, disabilities are seen as a result of past actions, unskillful actions. But let's assume that something does exist and inhabits a new body when the old one dies. I don't believe that at all, but let's just imagine it is true. Well, we'll have an immediate problem as every year 67 million more people are being born than dying. So... What something or karma are these extra 67 million new births inheriting? There's nothing to inherit because everyone that dies gets rebirth, but there's 67 million more people being born than dying. What previous lives has that 67 million new babies had? They couldn't have had any. Why for billions of people does that something, that previous life experience, can't be remembered? It's completely forgotten. Of course, there are about 20 cases that Professor Stevenson studied and are often retold and retold and retold where children are alleged to have remembered their past life and have alleged inherited skills, birthmarks, etc. However, after a lifetime of research, Professor Stevenson was still not convinced that rebirth was a reality. Now, what would make that something, the karma, call it a soul, a volition, a mind behind a mind, consciousness or whatever, what would make that memory stop when the old body dies? Why would we not all be able to remember our past lives? Is there no ultimate self or non-self or soul? What really passes on to a next life if there's no real self? If it's just a person's volition, energy that has a rebirth, how can people evolve and learn from previous births? Why would a new body limit the self's ability to conjure its own previous memories? And for those who claim that déjà vu, vu or whatever is repressed past memories, I might ask, what's the mechanism for those memories to be blocked or let through? If they're blocked, how are they allegedly getting through to a few? Why can't all memories get through? And if your old memories are lost forever, then what's the point of being reincarnated or having a rebirth Surely the point of rebirth is to 
extend life so that it evolves and gets more and more skillful until finally it reaches enlightenment and nirvana. But if you can't remember previous memories, previous rebirths, how can exactly you evolve and learn? We'll just deal with humans for now. Forget about animals, etc. and insects. So, where were all the personalities, the souls, or whatever you want to call it, before the universe and the earth existed? Why did energy come into bodies at all? To be evolved to the point where it reaches nirvana, non-existence where people become enlightened and their energy becomes one with the energy of the universe. <laughs> it's just so silly. Does it, this so-called energy, just hang out in space or some spiritual place waiting for a new body to inhabit? I said we'd deal with humans, but let's look at animals. If you accept trans-special rebirth, um, both in human form and in animals. Clearly, animals have different sorts of mental functioning abilities. We can reason better. Rats can smell better. Bats can hear better. Different animals see things in different colours. Very much a mental process of the mind. How does a rebirth make up for these things? How can animals evolve spiritually to become a human being? In Buddhism it's supposed to be rare to be human, considering all the fish and birds and insects and animals. When we get transferred to a chicken, do we lose our ability to reason? When we get a rebirth out of a wolf do we lose the knowledge of how to hunt or smell do all sentient beings like rats have this rebirth the bees cockroaches bacteria viruses replicating proteins like mild cow disease does everything have a rebirth even if you restrict rebirth to just humans, at what point in the human evolutionary chain was the first human imbued with this spirituality for rebirth? Was it five million years ago or one million? Or when humanoids appeared about 100,000 years ago? Why was the Buddhist universe cosmos so coy, so slow in starting the rebirth program? that would eventually lead all sentient beings to nirvana. Now, how about the idea that the creature you get to inhabit depends on how good you were in a previous life? Who keeps track of how you performed in a life? Who keeps track of your skillful actions and your skillful actions? Is there a God keeping track? Who is this great record keeper that eventually will send you to a new body depending on your karma?
What criteria is used? And is it really objective? Could it be objective? Does it ever make a mistake? How does it force our personality or karma into a new host? Could the host refuse? And you have to wonder, is your fate set or do we have free will? What if everyone in one generation acts perfectly skillfully, kindly and loving to everyone? Say they reach stream entrant in terms of being a Buddhist. Surely the less desirable bodies with disabilities are still being born and need to be inhabited. Bodies are still being born in poor countries and need to be inhabited. Rebirth for such a generation would be unfair. Yet we know births are dependent and personality, intelligence, etc. on genetics and nurture. One is like their mother, father, grandparents, great-grandparents. We're never a random new being. When the Buddha's mother, Maya, died in childbirth, she's alleged to have become a goddess abiding in heaven. They get reunited in heaven where the Buddha tells her his Dharma and she rapidly attains enlightenment and she too taught the Dharma to other beings in heaven. But how can this conceivably happen if there's no self and if there's a rebirth after death? So what about Pure Land, which I've also talked about before, where Buddhist disciples who chant the name of Amitabha get reborn? where it's much easier for them to work out their enlightenment. How does that work if it's only a person's karmic volition that goes beyond death into a rebirth? It's total contradiction. Lots of questions to think about. In all honesty, most people agree that we don't actually know what happens when we die. So why do Buddhists pretend that they do? We can't go on intuition. Well, I think there's more to life. I think there's something out there. Or subject experience like, but my dead brother talked to me at a spiritualist meeting. We have to go on rationality, reason and facts, rather than religious teaching and dogma. Faith should not be blind, but intelligent. Rebirth shouldn't be treated as a hypothesis, We can know for certain, and in my view, I think rebirth is totally improbable. So, you can be dogmatic or a free thinker. Richard Gombrich, if that's how you pronounce his surname, is often cited as a Buddhist, but he declared himself not to be a Buddhist. He was an Oxford scholar. He taught at Oxford for over 40 years. He's been studying Buddhism all his life. For such a distinguished scholar, with such a long and deep involvement with Buddhism, to say he's not a Buddhist is a kind of embarrassment for the Buddhist establishment. The Buddhist would love to claim this scholar as one of its own, but I can understand very well why he prefers to be identified as a non-Buddhist. I recognise I have that same identity struggle as he did for similar reasons. 
in a Buddhist magazine called Tricycle, uh, where he was interviewed, he said he doesn't want to be identified as a Buddhist, despite the fact that he virtually has dedicated all his life to Buddhist studies and is recognised as a world expert on Buddhism. He explained, honestly, the reasons for his reservation is he doesn't subscribe to the Buddhist doctrine of karma and rebirth. Hooray! The belief in karma and rebirth is not part of my views as an atheist either. I'm not particularly well educated, but I just find it really difficult to swallow any theory that can't be verifiable. If karma is just about cause and effect, then I can accept that straight away. But if the Buddhist notion of karma includes accumulated consequences from previous lives, which of course can't be reliably and objectively verified, then I don't want nothing to do with it. So, I think Buddhists who believe in karma and rebirth, uh, the orthodox doctrines, um, will always defend it, won't want to look at it, and will just swallow it. I suppose I belong to the lost group. Each person only sees the world through the lens of his or her own experience. And I, for one, want to think for myself and see the truth. In my heart of hearts, I know that the Buddha didn't demand blind faith. He was one of the earliest promoters of freedom of thought. I think the Tibetans particularly have a lot to answer for for corrupting original Buddhism. And as I said in my last podcast, secular Buddhism is the only way forward. So, I'm coming to the end of this talk. Um, Yeah, and I think if you want to read... um, the orthodox Triratna Buddhist view of how a modern practitioner can understand these teachings. I recommend Exploring Karma and Rebirth by Naga Priya. He touches on some of the things above and has a pragmatic approach that's worth reading. I, for one, totally reject karma and rebirth and the Triratna teaching. And they get out clause which usually goes like this. But of course nobody really knows what happens when we die so it's not worth worrying about, is it? Sorry, I want authenticity. So if nobody really knows why, what happens when we die, we shouldn't even be talking about it. We shouldn't be talking about it as a reality. It's just a nonsense. Anyway, enjoy your life. Go well. Bye for now.